0: the homemakers club podcast the homemakers club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home as you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you are stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision, so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. everyone welcome to the homemakers club podcast. Today I have my friend Jenna with me. You can find her on Instagram at the teacup homestead. She's been alongside me in my journey since the very beginning of the Homemakers Club and I'm just so blessed to know her and I know that you will be too. So, Jenna, welcome. Hey, thank you, Ashley. I feel honored to be on here.
1: The homemaking community has really just blessed my life personally and I feel super blessed to be a part of it and to be here talking with you.
0: I'm so honored to have you. Before we get started, I would love for you to introduce yourself a little to the homemakers that are listening. And maybe, and this is something we've never really done before, but I'd like for you to kind of share a little bit about what you share on your Instagram as well, Um you're just so authentic and you share it in a way that I think a lot of people can relate to because it's real home, real life. As if I was going to your house and you were teaching me some of the things that you were doing, like that's how I feel like I'm coming to your home on Instagram. So I'd love for you to say hi, tell us about yourself and then a little bit about what you share on Instagram.
1: Yeah, definitely. So my name is Jenna. I have three boys and... My husband and I have a little homestead where we have chickens and sheep and we raise our kids and homeschool and all sorts of stuff. I've been a photographer since as long as I can remember. So it's cool to be able to like incorporate photography and art into homemaking and motherhood. I haven't had a lot of good homemaking influences in my life. I wanted to just kind of be hopefully encouraging to others who are looking for encouragement because when I was looking for encouragement, it was hard to come by, which I think is why you and I kind of hit it off right away. Like as soon as I found the Homemakers Club, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is what I need. And it really helped me finally embrace homemaking, right? Because it's not just cooking and cleaning. Like I can cook and I can clean. I love my children. I love taking care of people. But like the joy and the peace and the embracing of homemaking is a whole nother element to it. And that's something that I definitely struggled with until kind of finding this online community. I just hope to be, a positive influence, just like, just like you've been really.
0: Thank you. You are doing a wonderful job. Um, You had mentioned just now that you didn't have anyone in your upbringing that was a homemaker. I'd love to know kind of where those heartstrings started being pulled in your life to wanting to be home, because this is a noble career. It's something that is not what society says is popular. And I would just love to hear kind of like where that desire came from.
1: Oh, totally. So really, none of the women in my family were full time homemakers. My mom worked. And even though she worked, she definitely like kept a nice home. And we had home cooked meals and ate around the dinner table every night. And it was really nice. but, But she worked outside of the home. And I was always told that you go to college to get a degree in something and then you go work for someone else. So when I was 17, I moved to Arizona to go to college. And that's just kind of like the world I was in. I was going to college, trying to choose one specific thing that I wanted to do for my whole life, which is incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. And I was also caregiving. And I actually met a lot of individuals that, you know, they they were elderly and they could no longer keep their homes or make their meals. So I, I helped with that. But I found so much wisdom in these people, that, I mean, they were like 80s. So one of the women I worked for was 101 years old. Wow. And she just had so much wisdom. And like the thing of how different the culture was back then too, right? Like they really, truly embraced homemaking because they grew up knowing that that was going to be their place or their calling. And that really helped me a lot along my journey. And then um, I switched majors a million times in college because I, again, I couldn't choose one thing. And then I met my husband and he's totally amazing. Like as soon as we met, we just knew we wanted to get married and have children and settle down. And that's kind of what we did. We moved to Tucson. And instead of me trying to find a new job as a caregiver in this big city, I'd never spent time in my husband was actually the one that really encouraged me to stay home. And he was like, you can do art, you can read, you can cook. You know what I mean? Like we knew that we were going to homeschool our kids once we had kids, but we hadn't had them yet. I wish I would have embraced it right away. But I was really hesitant because in my mind, homemakers had children. And I know now that that's totally ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? That's that's not accurate. But in my mind, like, that's what I thought. So I suddenly I was like a full time homemaker in our little Tucson apartment. And I was kind of fumbling around trying to find my way. And, you know, I'd have all of my friends and my family be like, so what do you do all day? Or what are you doing? (laughs) You know what I mean? And then, you know, whether or not you have children, it's a lot of work and it's amazing work, but what do you say? Like, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm learning, I'm reading. And it was, it was definitely difficult to find my place in homemaking when not just the culture, but like also my family and friends were just kind of also questioning me and making me question me. So I really kind of just had my husband cheering me on. Like it was, oh, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a difficult time, but um, not long after that is when our first son was born. And as soon as he was born, we just knew that we didn't want to have our children grow up in the city. We had both grown up in city suburban life. And so it was new to like try anything other than that. But we just knew we wanted something different. And then that's how we ended up here in the Ozarks of North Central Arkansas. I call it the little house in the big woods because it's a small house and seven acres of woods. And, that, and that's where we've had our other two sons and our animals and my husband's business. And... Now I found your community how many years ago? I feel like that's really what just totally helped me embrace it. That was a a major turning point for sure.
0: Let's go back to your experience, caregiving. Did they share with you about their culture and back in the day where that was what women were doing? They were tending to their homes. Did they take the time to sit down with you and talk to you about their experience and what life was like back then?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of them did because they would be directing me on how they liked their house cleaned and where they liked all their stuff or whatever meal they wanted, like they would direct me on how to prepare it for them. And so we had lots of time to just chat, you know, and it was just, it was amazing. They went through some hard times, right? Like wars and just a lot of like really, a lot of things that I think we take for granted now being in the day and age that we are now, you know, but yeah, they all just like stayed home and raised their children and I will say all of them talked about Jesus. And back when I was in college, I didn't appreciate it or embrace it. But that was the heart of their thing was wow. was God and reading the Bible. And I didn't know, you know what I mean, at the time that that was so important. But absolutely it is. It was just really cool just hearing some of their experiences and stuff. And, you know, it, but it was also sad, though. A lot of them talked about their families that like no longer, you know, maybe they're no longer in contact or... They just haven't talked in years. And it kind of reminded me that even though we could be 50 or 80 years apart or whatever, everyone's still going through the same type of thing, right? Like, it's not weird that we're having our own family struggles because other families struggled with those same types of things. And that was really encouraging to me. It just kind of connected from back then to now. And that was kind of really eye-opening to me, I guess.
0: Like something that consistently hasn't changed because our world has changed so much, but really the heart of home and homemaking, like we all still share the same heart and family dynamic is still difficult just like it was <laughs> <Yeah>. back then <laughs> yes. wow did they teach you any skills like baking, you know i wish. Or did they like hang out with you and be like you need to mix your liquid ingredients separate from <laughs> your dry ingredients like things that you don't know until you get in the kitchen
1: yeah, some of them, like like I worked for a French lady and she wanted me to make um, certain fish dishes that I literally, like I was in college, I wasn't cooking fish or <laughs> fancy French dishes. So, and she would like direct me how to do it. And then another lady was Polish and she would teach me some other things. And it was just, yeah, not, not just the wisdom, the practical, I learned how to make a bed look fancy from making their bed, like the way that they've been making it oh. for 50 years and how they liked it.
0: So you maybe didn't have someone in your life specifically but you had a whole plethora of women teaching you in really a formative part of your life.
1: Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I feel blessed that I got to even talk to those people. I mean, they were just really amazing people and like back then, you know, I was in college and stuff and I I feel like people kind of like some of my friends made fun of me because I honestly enjoyed spending time with the people I was working for more than I wanted to do whatever my college friends were doing. I knew how to cook and clean. And it was just really the the joy and like the, you know, like the heart of it, really, that these women were able to kind of show me a little bit. And that was really nice.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the journey of paving the way for homemaking in your life right now, since you're the first one in your Yeah,
1: family. I really just had to embrace change because I could have totally been too afraid to even try being a stay-at-home homemaker before we had kids. Like I could have told my husband I wanted to go to work and just done it because that's what I was used to and that's what I was taught. Think of all the blessings that God's trying to hand us and that we just have to be brave enough to take. And Mm -hmm. God shows me that over and over and over again, just through motherhood and homemaking and connecting with people.
0: It's wild to sit down and really think about our journeys and where we came from and where we are today. In the beginning, when you and your husband made that decision, what were some of the things that people were saying?
1: Honestly, the most common one that comes to mind, which I now understand because I kind of see where our culture is going, but a lot of people thought that like my husband made me stay home. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of wild to me because my husband was the most encouraging, loving, good Person that I had in my life at that time, and it could have been totally different. You know what I mean? Like people questioning, like, "Well, are you okay? Like, does he want you to work?" I'm like, "No." But then, like, if you tell them that that your husband wants you to stay home, they just have some weird image in their head, I right? Think. They
0: have, like a know. stigma of like the '50s husband who, like, you see these photos or memes or whatever of like him sitting there with his beer at the chair with (laughs) his feet up and the wife like (laughs) cooking this nine course meal I don't even know (laughs) like and she's miserable in the kitchen like I think people have that idea that that's what in this situation what they picture maybe
1: oh totally yeah absolutely so but for like half a year I mean they would literally ask me like what do you do all day Like, so what are you doing and you know maybe they weren't trying to be mean but at least the people I dealt with, they definitely weren't encouraging. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It was definitely like, like, like straight up just questions. What are you doing? Like, you don't work. Like, and you know, and like my husband wasn't working a job where he was making lots of money. We had this tiny little apartment. We didn't have a couch for like two years. <laughs> like all these things. So it wasn't like you know we were super rich and I was just able to stay home or whatever. It was like we made sacrifices. But my husband really, I feel like he saw the value in a nice home and he didn't get to have home like his mom died and he was young and he had a really rough childhood and growing up so I just think it was it was amazing that like he knew that he wanted that for our family and that he was the one that was encouraging me and especially when everybody else was just making me second guess it like all the time you know that is having so, so special
0: yeah wow yeah
1: having somebody on your team is just I don't know. It was invaluable. When we moved out to Arkansas, we didn't know anybody but my mom and my stepdad. And we weren't even on totally good terms with them, to be honest. And so I didn't have any friends that were even married or looking to have children or homemaking. And then we were in a new place. This online thing is just such an important tool for people because I've met like friends now, you know what I mean? Like actual friends and encouragement that I hope that other people are finding if they don't have it in their day-to-day personal, you know, lives, I hope that they can find it with other people because it's totally out there.
0: It really is. And that's really kind of why I started the Homemakers Club. So when I started it, I was 12 years into being full-time homemaker. And none of my friends and none of my family were home full-time. Not one. I I didn't know a single person in my circle, which, it, which causes lots of questions. Like, should I be starting a business? Should I be going back to school? Should I go get a job? Like, all these things. Like, it's easy to question your role when you have no one to do it alongside. And so I kind of had this idea throughout those years of, like, How to find other women, and I didn't really understand like what that would look like. And I'm introverted, incredibly introverted as well. (laughs) So, like, the idea of doing it, I was like, Well, I wish there was something like that, but I don't want to start it. It's just isolating, and it can be very discouraging when you have no one to hold hands with to do that. I've shared this before, but I was off social media for 10 months. And one morning I felt like God was like, and I kept kind of humming the idea of like the homemakers club, like all along. And, and one morning, two years ago, I felt like God was like, do it, do it now. I just got online and I did it. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but what happened that day, I'll never forget it. My husband was in the yard building my chicken coop and I launched it. Didn't tell him, went outside And I'm like, you'll never believe what I just did. And I told him and he's like, how's that going to work? And I'm like, I'm going to make a club. Like I'm going to start elevating the voice of home because I know I'm not the only one. There are women out there that care about the things that I care about. And I'm going to make friends with all of them. Like we're just going to make friends. (laughs) On the first day, Jenna, I had 100 women. And I could not even believe it because that was like the greatest gift that was given back to me was the idea that okay there are women out there feeling the exact same way as me looking for friendship and to do this with one another and to do it alongside women and learn from one another and even just have someone to like message and be like what are you doing it's just like just having totally someone who believes in the same thing as you as life totally
1: and, you know, that's kind of why I like to share like little tips or little, I, I love sharing recipes. I want to share that with people. I want people, because, you know, when I was like looking around and asking my friends and family for a recipe for something, they're like, oh, we just buy them from the store or something. And I that's totally fine. But I was looking for something else, something more homey, something more, something different. And I couldn't find it. And I just want to be like, I just want to have a positive influence on other people because you know what? I think we live in a rural place, but we really don't. I mean, like some people have like drive an hour into town and that's and mean. what if they, yeah. And what if they like moved to a new place or if they just have a baby, like maybe they can't go to church and have a, you know, community with their church at the moment. And, and yeah, feeling isolated is like, how do you, how do you keep doing what you're doing when you feel like you're the only one? <laughs> it's, it's really, really hard. And I think the more we can just kind of like help one another and share things that are, helpful to others that just really that's the whole point
0: it really isn't like I say sometimes like we're walking each other home like I just picture women like coming to your home and lifting you up in times that are hard or cooking or Teaching you their best recipe, I remember my husband's grandmother. She lives in rural Utah, and she has been a really key woman in my life that's taught me a lot about hospitality. Um, She wasn't a homemaker full-time. She worked outside of the home her whole life. Her hospitality, her is absolutely like, I had never seen anything like that. My parents never had people over. I didn't learn about hospitality when I was younger at all and actually she's the person that spurred the idea of these community cookbooks she told me something that I was like that's absolutely the most crazy thing I've ever heard she said that the women in her circle in this small town that she lives in if she like if they went to a little banquet or whatever and someone made the best cookie she ever had she would ask for the recipe and then she would make them and they never were the same and she's like, how is this not the same? Well, she learned that no one was authentically sharing the full deal. They were leaving <laughs> a little bit. So that way she couldn't make like the cookie or mm-hmm. the cake. And I'm like, what? That's so rude. And so I think that <laughs> yeah, like the idea of like weird. these community cookbooks are like what you share on Instagram and what all these women are sharing in the homemaking community is so beautiful because we genuinely want to equip each other with encouragement and provision for making their house a home and I just think it's so beautiful and it's so sad that she had to experience that so when I actually gave her one of my secret ingredient chocolate chip cookie recipes (laughs) she double checked to make sure she's like this is the real one right i'm like she's like almost 85 years old i'm like i promise this that's funny cookie (gasps) recipe it's so that's
1: so funny i have an italian great-grandmother that came to america from italy she didn't speak that much english and she didn't measure anything but she made the best real food, that I remember as a child growing up. And so when she passed away, like I was too young at the time, but um, nobody in my family had taken the time to cook with her or learn her recipes. And that made me so sad. Like I can, I can find similar authentic ones online or whatever, but it's just not the same. And so I especially want my kids to be like, oh, like that's the pudding. Like, yeah, my mom made that pudding when I was a kid and it's the best or bagels or whatever it is. Like I would love for my kids to be able to recreate it too
0: are you writing your recipes down
1: for your children
0: i do all the ones that you see online i
1: I make them like in a cute format but then i also print them out and have a nice book because otherwise i just have notes and notes of messy jotted down things that worked or didn't work and i know that i would like them to be able to recreate it and not have to try and do it the hard way right
0: And then that way their wives can even get their hands on it. And that kind of stuff just makes my heart sing. My best friend has two boys and she's saving one of each of the community cookbooks for their future wives for wedding gifts. I'm like, wow, I need to do that. I'm really bad at writing down recipes though. So you just encouraged me to do that. I have a cute little recipe box. I've just not taken the time to do that, but it's almost like a time box like where your future generations can go back and see your handwriting or, or make the yummy cozy dishes that made your home so special. So another thing when we were talking about your whole journey, you had some opposition obviously with some comments. When people make comments, it devalues your mission within your home. And I don't necessarily think that they mean it that way I don't think they're trying to be like, you shouldn't be doing this, but more like a genuine concern or curiosity. And so I had a few that stuck. And so like one person who is dear to my heart was like, don't you want anything for yourself? Well, (gasps) yes, right now. This is it. Like, this is what I want for myself is I want to raise my family and not just my children. But and I think this is something that is overlooked a lot. I don't just want to be known as like a good mom. I want to be known as a good wife. So you're talking about like there is a season when you were homemaking before you had children. So you are preparing your home for your husband and your marriage tending to the home to me doesn't stop at my children. And so I would imagine during that season, like your people were like, well, you're a stay at home wife. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: That's exactly what it was. And and it was like, I mean, I was, you know what I mean? I was cooking and cleaning and doing all this stuff, and like preparing stuff and trying to be supportive to my husband. But I think that was the idea that people had a hard time grasping, and that's why I think homemaker has a whole different, a whole different thing to it. You are making a home. For whoever's in it, maybe it's your guests, maybe it's the friends you have over for dinner. But being a homemaker is more than being a housewife or a mom. It's making a nice home for everybody
0: in it. That's something that I am really trying to understand um, in my role as the den mom of the Homemakers Club. There's so much more to that. Like, I don't understand. I'm just the mom. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Like, no, you're not. You are doing far more than what? society makes you think you're doing as far as cooking and cleaning like putting intention to our efforts in the last podcast we were kind of talking about like the cause and effect and the why we do the things that we do but Mm -hmm. like my husband can sit down and say and it's probably one of the greatest compliments he's ever said to me and like validated and verified my efforts within my home is that he wouldn't be where he's at today professionally had it not been that he could go to work, come home, and have a happy, healthy home, like, and that makes totally. me so proud to know that I all the things that I do within my home is making him succeed outside of the home, and that's my hope with my children as well. That everything I'm doing is setting them up for success. Like everything that I I am doing within my home outside of my chores like every mm-hmm. job has chores like my son works at the gas station and he like dusts and, yeah. and He's <laughs> doing the chores that I do at home that's not homemaking that's just the duties that we have at work our duties look different we're folding laundry and cleaning and cooking and doing that but th- those aren't necessarily the things that make a house a home
1: no I- I'm so glad that you said that because that reminds me too that since none of my family members were full-time homemakers, they all had families and kept nice houses, right? But they all had careers outside the house. So that was kind of their main focus. So they all, you know, they'd cook and we'd have family parties and stuff. And it was always, it was always almost as if it was like a chore because their normal job, like their normal thing was their career. That when they did do home stuff or family stuff or cooking, cooking a big meal, that it was almost like a chore. And I, I didn't want to be that way. Like, I did not want to have that attitude with my, I, I do have to fight it sometimes, right? I don't mm. always feel like making a whole big dinner <laughs> or like three meals a day every day, you know? But I for sure didn't want my kids to see that having a big, fun family party or having a nice home, like, I don't want them to think that it has to always be a laborious, unhappy chore. Mm. And so that's why I think that's kind of where the Homemakers Club really kind of helped me was that, like I, like I said, I could cook, I could clean, I could do all these things. But really, it's had like deep seated discontent, I feel like, with the mundane, like the everyday mm-hmm. chores and the everyday stuff. And it was hard to f- like feel fulfilled doing that, especially when, you know, you got family and culture and all that stuff. So it was really like, yeah, just being able to have people show you that it can be enjoyable. That I know that that's going to put my children in a better place.
0: How do you manage your time?
1: You know, honestly, I just do it. (laughs) Like I do it because I know that I'm stewarding our animals well. I'm stewarding our home and our children well. If I fall behind in all this stuff and I just leave it for future me to deal with later on, I will regret that. I will never regret just kind of like putting down my phone, putting some classical music on or, or listening to the Bible while I do chores. Like I'll never regret just taking the time it takes to do those chores and then knowing that I'm going to like enjoy and I'll be more at peace when things are taken care of. That really just helps me kind of keep going and keep doing it even when it gets tedious, you know?
0: And I think evaluating what matters most to you and your husband within your home. I have a really good friend here who is a completely opposite homemaker. That woman's house is messy, as messy can be she has a small three acre homestead they're first generational farmers and so they're learning all of these things but she and her husband do not value a clean and tidy home it's not important to them whatsoever but that woman can bake that woman handed me a I don't even know what it's like, a little crowbar, pry bar thing when I was talking about taking the carpet off of my stairs in our 100-year-old home when my husband was out of town. I <laughs> like, do it, do it. And I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how. And she's like over here with a crowbar being like, this is how you take nails out. Like, she is the most fascinating woman because she's so brave. She's like making goat milk and doing all these things. I'm like, what in the world? But that's their value system in their home. So she comes to my house. It's like spick and span, and we're playing dice on the back porch or whatever. (laughs) I go to her house. She's got 50 jars of tomato sauce that she's just canned, and her children are chasing pigs. And I'm like, this is awesome. I have six children. Her husband told her that if she's going to be home He would appreciate her life's work to be in the tending of their children and teaching them skills, and that's her life's work. That's awesome. That's what she does. That's awesome, and and she loves it. And that's what they do. And it's I think it's just as beautiful because she's answering the call of what they've decided to set value in in their home. Yeah, and that's that's
1: that's awesome not being afraid of change you, you said that they're first generational farmers tons of people now have chickens right but like yeah. six years ago when we were starting they're like what like what do you do with a chicken or what do you do with sheep <laughs> or what do you do with, like all these other things And I'm like I don't know but I want to try it and I want to learn embrace whatever works for your family at the time too because like we said like times change things mm-hmm. you know
0: things happen I think that kind of gives value to homemaking is learning new things Back in the day, I had no one who was a homemaker. Now, my sister in law is homemaking full time. She left her salaried position to raise her babies and she just started a flower garden business, which is so cool. Wow, she has her little kids like in tow and she's planting all these dahlias. And she's but she's learning, (laughs) she has no idea. She was like in the corporate, crazy, amazing job that she worked really hard for and she left it all behind. And now she has a dahlia farm because she learned she. She didn't give up herself completely when she became a full-time homemaker. She still has goals. She has things she wants to learn, and she's challenging herself. And I think that that sometimes is a missing part in a homemaker's heart in her home is the idea of like you die to yourself to be of service to everyone else within your home. I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things I see is a lot of women they don't they're not challenging themselves, they're not learning new skills, they're not taking the time to do that. Oh, absolutely. I feel like we're told we need to
1: choose between
0: either to have a career
1: or even as mothers. Like you've got to choose between this or that. And I feel like people always talk about losing themselves and motherhood maybe or or homemaking. Like I kind of actually found I got to use all of the things that I enjoyed doing that I couldn't choose between all have come together and I get to serve people and still enjoy myself and do all these things and it's like we can totally challenge ourselves and try something new and find just life in that
0: you for example I'm your Persian tea Yes. <laughs> that. So my
1: dad is Persian. He actually, his parents sent him to America from Iran when he was a child because things were crazy there and they wanted their kids to have safety and freedom. And so in Persian culture, tea time is like a big deal. Like they literally have it from morning to evening. And there's a word in the Persian language that's just for explaining the hospitality aspect of the Persian culture, because it's such a huge thing. And so like my parents were divorced. I only got to spend time like one day a week with my dad, but every time it was just wonderful. We'd always have tea and it would just be this magical thing. Like, my dad taught me about hospitality, which is funny, right? Cause people think like their mom or their aunt or their friend or whatever, but was really like my dad and, and the Persian culture. And when I moved to Arizona, he would always blend up the Persian tea for me so I could make it. And I started sharing it with my friends and we'd have like tea parties and stuff and they all just thought it was the best thing ever. And so I started blending it up. Like he showed me how to blend it up myself and I did it. And then I just kind of like, I'd give it away as gifts, you know, and then eventually had a local store that kind of asked me for it. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should start selling it to people. You know, I don't try and do it to make money. Like I strictly, like the whole point of tea time is to just oh like enjoy the moment and relax and find... I don't know if you need a moment to rest, you know what I mean? Like that's your moment to rest. That's your time. Or if you need a moment to think of things that you're grateful for, or just really kind of reflect, like to me, that's what it is. So even though I've got boys, we still do tea time and they love it. We have treats and we usually talk about the Bible or, or do something fun like that. But yeah, so tea time's just kind of a big deal. And I really just have my Persian heritage to thank for it.
0: That's amazing that you're carrying on that tradition. We were talking a minute ago about rhythm and priorities and all of that. Is this a daily priority that you guys do or pretty often? Oh,
1: yeah, totally. Like, even now, my husband used to drink coffee all the time, and now we only drink tea. Like, wow. we have that tea going all day. Yeah, my son, like, he really like the days that we're either too busy to do tea time or just things just don't go. I was like, we should do tea time tomorrow. If I'm too busy with chores or my husband's too busy with his work and stuff, like we can kind of sit down and reconnect. And it's nice to have, even if it's like 15 minutes, you know what I mean? Or half an hour in between chores, like it's nice just to just have like a, a minute to regroup with everyone, you know, before we all go about doing the things that we were
0: doing. <laughs> that is so sweet. You sell them online now yep I was kind of like worried about what my dad would think
1: but he thought it was so cool at least I like to think that he was like super proud when he mm-hmm. saw that like I was giving it to other people to enjoy and that I just love like being able to kind of pay homage to something that like I didn't get to see very much of my Persian family a lot of them are still in Iran and it's a whole it's a whole different world right like mm-hmm. we can barely communicate but it's so interesting and I like to be able to connect with it in a way that I
0: can and share it with your family I I know you sent some to me which is so lovely and I really want to start incorporating that I think he is probably really proud of you because you're not (laughs) just you're not just sharing tea Persian tea with people that you care about or our community and selling it online but you're encouraging them to sit down and spend time together and reflect and like you said read the Bible or whatever like just a moment to slow down and and focus on what really matters most thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today it's been such an honor and such a privilege to hear about your story and that you shared it with me thank you
1: thank you so much for having me we all just need to focus on our homes
0: and our hearts
1: and i just hope that we can just help other people so thank you
0: thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We are the homemakers gathered for good. See y'all next week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple
1: Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby.
0: We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education.
1: That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children.
0: On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself.
1: Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together.
0: Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of Driven Living.